We've been studying in the book of Exodus, and uh, there's a couple more lessons left. And um, Last week, Pastor David talked about the celebration song after the children of Israel were led through out of Egypt and on dry ground, led through the Red Sea. And when they get there, they honor God and they, they worship him. And uh, too many times in our lives, we can get out of our Egypt. God delivers us. God answers our prayer. And yet we don't stop to honor him and worship him like he deserves. Well, I'm glad we're in the week of Thanksgiving, not just because of the food, but it's a time to reflect on what to be thankful for and what God has done in your life. And I hope that you get to do that all week. Um, they get to a place after Egypt where they, they have to go through the wilderness. Now, after their celebration song, they honor God, they worship him. The Israelites are led away from the Red Sea and they're led into the wilderness where there's not much water and they get thirsty. And isn't it ironic sometimes that God uses the things that he saved you with and now it's very scarce. And the only water they come to is bitter at Marah. Well, God does turn the bitter water sweet, but this was the beginning of their faith being tested. And I don't know about you today, but that's when the real you comes out is when your faith is being tested. And I, I came for a little bit of therapy of my own. I hope that I'm in good company because I, like the Israelites, don't do too well when my faith is being tested. You would think, as a pastor, I got to get it all together, right? Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm ahead of the game or that I'm doing pretty good. And I have my good days, but I have my bad days, too. And I was talking to somebody who struggles with their habits, and they said, it just feels like I'm never going to get out of this. And I wanted to encourage them by letting them know that, hey, I also don't have it all together. I might appear maybe further along than you, but I had to fight through my temptations, my struggles, my habits, just like any of us. Can someone say amen to that? And so that's what we do. When when the testing comes is when when your habits get exposed, and that's what happens in the Israelites. And and I know that in my life, it comes out in weird times. You know, there's different moments, I don't know, like at Disney World. And you're probably thinking, like, why Disney World? That's the happiest place on earth. But that just tells me that you haven't been there in a while. Okay, because when you get there at first, it's awesome. You're walking around, you're like, the castle's beautiful, this is amazing. And I'm walking in the fruit of the spirit. I'm like, love, joy, peace, patience. And an hour later, I'm like, I'm going to kill somebody. (laughs) Maybe it's the 17th person that cuts me off or the fifth stroller to rub my heel in the back. But something happens inside of me where the real me comes out. And I got to tell you, it's not Disney World. It's me. I'm the problem. Can you help me by saying I am the problem? It's not Disney World. I found out that it happened uh, downtown, right up the road, around the corner. I was crossing the street. I was hosting some people from out of town, and I was taking them to Starbucks. And I'm like, you know, I'm having a great time. My friend's from out of town, and I'm like, come on, I want to take you get a cup of coffee. And we're crossing the street, and we got plenty of time. I have looked both ways, okay? And uh, there's a car coming, and he's, he's impatient. Like, he doesn't want to slow down. You ever have this? You're trying to cross the street, and they just keep coming at the same speed. Like, they're not going to use their brakes. Um, well, I see him getting impatient, and he starts using his hands. Like, and I wanted to give him a hand signal. You know what I'm saying? The, the index finger. I want to use the middle one because I'm super saved. Okay? I wouldn't tell you about it if I, it was the middle one. but So... But I hold, I hold it back, and I kind of use restraint. I don't, I don't give him a hand signal, but a little bit comes out, you know, to my friends. I say, you know, some people, 
You know, they just, they rub me the wrong way and I see this old side of me trying to come out. I got some old habits. I got a default mode that tries to come out because I had a way of doing things before Christ of trying to handle a, cir- a circumstance like that in situations. And really that's not the right way to handle it. That's not the way God has called me to handle it. And I hope that you can relate in something like that. But you know, my wife will testify that I need deliverance in one specific area. It's not just my impatience. It's my, it's my hunger habits. It's my eating habits. I am, I'm dysfunctional when it comes to my eating habits. Anyone else? I mean, I'll, we're going to start the diet in two months, right? We're good. We can, we can eat bad for the next two. We're good. Well, that's, that's not just my own problem. It's something that the children of Israel also face. Because after they get their thirst quenched with the water coming sweet, um, they also have some hunger problems. And you're going to see this in Exodus chapter 16. Let's read it together. It says, Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin. Between Elam and Mount Sinai, they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us to death. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the power and the authority that it has, and Lord, that it feeds us. And Lord, today, maybe somebody comes in here hungry. They come in here empty and they're ready to be fed spiritually. Lord, I know that only you can truly do that. I pray that you would use me. I pray that, that I would have the boldness and the, and the love to preach the gospel and that it would shine in people's lives today to give them hope, to give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, you can see here that I'm not the only one with some bad eating habits. And uh, the children of Israel are out of Egypt. They're in their new life. But I got news for someone today that your new life comes with old habits. And though you might be out of Egypt, you might not still be into your promises. And God did not just bring the Israelites out from Egypt. He was bringing them in somewhere. And there was a process. They had to go through the wilderness. And I wonder what the wilderness will produce in you. Because for the Israelites, it's one thing for God to bring them out of Egypt. And it's a whole other thing for God to bring the Egypt out of them. There's a process. There's something inside of us that needs to be broken off. And sometimes your enemy is not the devil. It's the default. It's you is what I mean. The default you is a dangerous you. The thing that comes out in your wilderness, the thing that comes out when you're hungry, the things that, that come out when you're, when you're at a moment where, where the pressure gets you and it squeezes you a certain way, there's a side of you that comes out. And sure, I know it to be the sinful nature. A couple weeks ago, Pastor referred to it as the slave mentality, is that this is still happening inside the Israelites. And, and it's hard to deal with because you find yourself realizing that you're still the same old you. But are you? It comes up in moments, but it's not every day. And these are habits that we want to break together. It's the default mode. Everyone say default mode. See, we all have one, but I want to ask you, where did yours come from? Now, you can't blame the sinful nature in Adam for every, everything because Adam didn't form your habits. Habits come from habitats, Right? And maybe it is the way that you were raised, it was the way that you grew up, it's the way that you were trained to think. Maybe it's the school you went to, a professor that had an impact on you, formed a way of thinking inside of you and it just became normal mentality. 
These things are deep inside of us, and maybe it's generational. Maybe it was formed uh, from something in your family, but sometimes it's from a pain in your past that develops into a, a defense mechanism because it's just your natural response to do something and to defend yourself, much like it was for me when crossing the street. You have a way to defend yourself. You have a way to stand up for yourself. You have a way to deal with these problems, and I wonder if they're just habits, if they're habitual. Some of us get used to getting attention a certain way, so we, we fall back on those things and it becomes a relational reach for us because it worked last time. Or we saw it work in the past with somebody else, and so we figured we'll give it a try because we want some attention too. See, you developed a pattern. Thinking formed deep into your mind, and now it's a subconscious reaction. It takes zero effort. This is what I mean by default mode. It's so deep inside of you that you didn't even think about doing it. It just came out. A curse word. Uh Uh-oh. In church, I know y'all don't cuss, but there's someone here who does. See, that might be what it's rooted in, a lot of those things that you were raised into and and the habits that are formed into you. But what is the thing that triggers it? I want to look in Ephesians chapter 4 with you. It says this, in Ephesians 4 verse 20, That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It says you were taught to put off your old self. You were taught to take off your old self, but that's a process there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a dress code. There's a process of, of what it takes to, for you to change because it's not as simple as your clothes. It's not that easy to develop new thought patterns because that's not all it says is to, is to take off the old self. It's, it is hard to break old habits. You know, studies say it takes anywhere from 18 to 254 days to develop a new habit. 18 to 254 days to develop a new one, how much longer does it take to break an old one? Because I'm going to get the science wrong here, but I know that theories say that it is harder for you to unlearn something than it is for you to learn some, something. It's harder to unlearn it. Once it's wired in there, it's so deep. It's a part of the fabric of your thinking. It's hard like I said, I don't know the vocabulary, but somewhere deep in your medulla oblongata, they, there, there is a comfort in your mind that falls back in it, that reaction that I was talking about. It just feels like a habitual thing. It doesn't take much effort. You know, it, it's a routine inside of you that is dysfunctional. The dysfunctions inside of you weren't there by one day or one moment of your life. It's something that you did every day until it became a routine. And then you realize, what's going on with me? And why, don't, why am I not able to get a hold of it like this person's able to get a hold of it? And that's what my friend was telling me. They wanted to look at my life and ask me, why don't I get what you got? And I just had to explain to them that I'm not, I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not where I want to be. Do you see that I might not have the same struggles that he has, but I have my own struggles that I'm dealing with nonetheless. And maybe you're further along today, and I hope that you don't develop any pride from that, that you just stay as humble as you need to be to grab somebody else by the hand and tell them that I got you, you can lean on me until you get this thing figured out because I also struggle with stuff. It just looks different than your struggle, amen? 
Amen. See, our brains treat these habitual things as an emotional comfort in our minds. There's, there's something that just happens where it triggers us right into our dysfunctional cycles. What triggers you? What's your trigger? For me, it could be somewhere where I feel, you know, somebody attacking me, where I'm going to get defensive. I explained that to you. It could be my eating habits. Well, for the Israelites, it absolutely was food. They were hungry. I wonder if anyone came in here hungry today because the, the old commercial from Snickers is, is kind of funny, but it's true. It says, you're not you when you're hungry. There's a hangry version of you, right? Like, you're so hungry, you're angry. And you're not you when you're hungry. That's true, but I wonder if you really think about it, if there's a little bit of truth to who you are when you are hungry. When, when the real you comes out of when, there's something about when you're hungry and when you're not on your A game, that there's a side of you that comes out that maybe you're just better at hiding when you're able to mask it through certain things. I wonder if we're just really good at keeping ourselves masked and appetized with certain things that we really don't appear that we're that hungry or starving, but inside we're malnourished. The Israelites got hungry. They were fed before, but they had to learn to be satisfied. See, they were free, but they had to learn to be fed. They were out of Egypt, but God wasn't done with them. There was still a process. There was, a lingering, there was lingering effects from the place that they were still inside of them. Do you know what they did? In chapter 16, they referred to the stacks of food that were there. They said, in Egypt, we had all the bread that we could eat. They, they, they referred to it as a good place. Isn't it sad sometimes how we remember our Egypt? How, what God uh, brought us out of? Like, oh man, I wish I could go back to that. I had fun back then at the bar with old girl. But really, was it that great of a time? Because if you were like me, you remember waking up with the same turmoil every day that you had to go back to the bar. You have to go back to that thing to try to satisfy something inside of you that's a spiritual craving. And we, we appetize ourselves on things that aren't satisfying us. And sure, it might be different for your gender or your age because there's some, there's some guys in here that have appetized themselves on lust and pride. They, they, you, you really enjoy going to the sports bar, Okay. But there's women in here that really enjoy appetizing themselves on some gossip and some drama and some jealousy. And you're looking online at everyone else's life and you're not satisfied in your own. So we can pick at the genders. But there's, and there's generations. Because there's, there's elderly people in here that you feed on the drama from Fox News. You really enjoy CNN and what's going on with the political wars. And there's young people on here that can't stop looking at their newsfeed on their phone, from Facebook, or from Snapchat, or from Instagram. And that's what it's called, a news feed. Did you ever notice that in the corner? It'll tell you it's your feed. We're feeding ourselves with something. We're scrolling and we're looking. We're going and we're going. Our minds are very busy, but we're not satisfied. Have you noticed this? That there's something that we're eating. And yesterday when I went out to go give turkeys, I would tell people, you, you really didn't need this. Because I hope that you enjoy the meal. I hope that you have some soul food. But we came to give you some food for your soul. There's something about Jesus that feeds your soul. Amen? And you can, go, you can go and eat as much as you want. You can go and fill your face with things this week. I hope you enjoy your food this week. But there's something inside of you that can only be satisfied. It's not a physical need. 
It's a spiritual hunger. Amen? Amen. I see, I, th- I think that the fruit of whatever it is that you're feeding yourself is discontentment, no matter what, no matter who you are. Whatever it is that you're feeding yourself, the, the results are the same. Discontentment. It's, it's insecurity for all of us. Men, women, young and old, we feel empty. And that's a problem. And that's what's going on with the children of Israel. They remember being as much bread as they can possibly handle. But they weren't satisfied. They weren't satisfied in their soul. And I think that there's a truth that we need to learn from them. Is that God will let you get hungry sometimes so that he can become your bread. He is going to give the Israelites bread from heaven. Every morning they're going to wake up. It's called manna. If you're familiar with the story, you know this by now. But do you know that the specific instructions is that he said that every day they're to go out and get enough bread for that day. And he, and he gives them the exact measurement. He said, the portion is going to be perfect for every person to have enough for the day. Do not take anything extra for the next day. And when they tried to disobey, it turned to maggots. It got stale. It got bad. And God is trying to teach a lesson to somebody in their wilderness that you are used to filling yourself with things that aren't satisfied, but I want to teach you how to be content with what I give you. And and this is what the children of Israel are, are learning this lesson is that God will let you go hungry in the desert so that he can become your bread. Jesus also had a hungry experience in the wilderness. Did you know this? In Matthew 4... He also goes to the wilderness. He also gets hungry. He's fasting for 40 days. And he's sitting there, and who else but the devil himself comes to tempt him? Because I don't think Jesus has a default mode, honestly. I think he's just perfect. But he gets tempted nonetheless. And the devil says, you're the son of God. I mean, you can turn these stones into bread. You're hungry, right? And after 40 days of not eating, I'd say I'd be turning some stones into bread or pizza nonetheless, okay? He says, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus' response says, man does not live by bread alone, but by the very word of God. He knew something that we need to tap into today is that you don't need another meal. You need something that's going to satisfy you in your soul. That pit in your stomach might be spiritual. That thing inside of you that, that causes you to stay awake at night is because maybe you've tried to eat things that aren't satisfying you. And there's, there's a reason why there's people with depression in the holiday season is because there's, there's food and there's family around, but there's an emptiness inside. And I wonder that maybe if they're within our reach, not just yesterday, we, didn't, we, didn't, we don't love people one day a year. We don't help people one day a year. I'm here today to believe with you for a miracle. I'm here today with you because he says our daily bread. Isn't that the prayer? Isn't that the prayer he said, give us this day our daily bread? And here's a new day. This is the first day of your week. I hope hope that you find some daily bread today. But just know God's going to supply again tomorrow. He's got you tomorrow too. And he gives you enough for today. And is the problem the bread or your discontentment? Is the problem the default mode or God's sovereignty? I'd, I'd say that it's us. And I want to I tell you that in Ephesians 4, he goes on to say this. He says, put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, 
Your desires can be deceiving. And be made new in the attitude of your minds to put on the new self. Do you know that God isn't content with you just throwing off your old ways? What, is it, what good is it if you don't do the bad things that you used to do without doing good things now? He didn't just save you from sin. He saved you for something. In the Israelites, he saved them from Egypt, but for the promised land. And in your life, he didn't just bring you out from your old friends or your old life. He come to give you new habits and new things, new routines, new family, new friends. One of the hardest things when I became a Christian was developing new friendships because I was, I was still going back to my old routines and I would fall into those old habits. I needed some new friends. Maybe, maybe you need some new friends or maybe you need to be a friend to someone today. And, and we don't have to be judgmental and saying someone's not as far as us. We just need to reach over and, and, and give somebody our hand and say, I'll walk with you until you get this thing figured out. We'll walk with you because this bread thing is something spiritual. That renewing of your mind, there's a renewing and attitude of your minds. It's reiterated in Romans 12. Romans 12 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's a process. He says, get your mind renewed, and then you'll be able to test it. Remember the testing we were talking about? In the testing is when it gets hard, is when it gets difficult during the test. Well, he says, get your mind renewed, and you'll be ready for the test. Then you'll know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. It wasn't just to bring them out of the patterns in Egypt. It was to bring them into the promises. Do you know the next 10 or so chapters, this is what happens in Exodus? He gives them the manna, right? He says, I'm your supply. And then this is what happens in the next 10 or so chapters. He gives them the 10 commandments, right? How, you got to get rid of your old way of thinking, your old way of living before he can give you the new commandments. You got to get rid of the old dysfunctional way of thinking before he can give you the new functional way. He gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them the law for living as, chosen, as a chosen nation, social responsibilities, festivals. He gives them the plans for the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the plans for the courtyard, altar for sacrifices, clothing for the priest. Do you know that God is going to fill them? But first they got to get emptied. That's why they're hungry. It's because God's going, let it come to the surface. The things in your life are not surprising God. Stop being surprised by them like you're, you're a failure or you're not a real Christian compared to somebody else. God's saying, I'm letting that stuff come to the surface so we can deal with it. God disciplines those he loves, like a father chastens his child. And so what kind of parent would he be if he sees what's wrong, but he never lets it come out to deal with it? He lets it come to the surface so he can go, that was there, but it's not going to stay. And that's what God is doing, not only in the Israelites, but in your life. You need to see it, that the dysfunction comes to the surface so there can be disciplines and there can be a new way of thinking. There can be new habits formed only when the old ones come out. Be real with yourself. Be real with yourself. Let it come out. God's glory was going to fill them. Listen, 10 commandments, the tabernacle. They're going to get the Ark of the Covenant. They're going to get God's presence to fill in a glorious way, but not before they have to rely on him for bread. Who are you relying on for your bread? Is it money? Is it, is it, is it the things of this world? Because they're going to leave you empty. 
They're going to leave you starved. In closing, I want to, I want to say this. We can all stand because I, I believe that we're going to have a moment of altar. If the, if the altar team can come up, I, I want to give people an opportunity to pray today. How would they be ready for God's promises with the old way of thinking? And how are you going to be ready for what God wants to bring you into with the Egypt mentality? God's not bringing you into another Egypt. He's bringing you into promises. And God will let you go hungry so he can become your bread. The things that you struggle with the most are usually the things that are so deep inside of us that it takes time for us to realize what's happening. But God's letting them come to the surface so that you can outsmart your default mode. The dysfunction of your flesh. He's letting it come to the surface so he can teach you something. Sooner or later, you're going to look at it and you're going to go, uh-huh, this always happens around this time of the year. You ever notice that about you? It comes in a cycle. I always find myself struggling with anger when this happens. I always find myself getting impatient when the snowbirds are down. It's a cycle, right? Hey, but you can't live in the cycle. You got to outsmart yourself. And God's going to bring you into a new day. He's going to give you a new hope and new functional ways that are habits. But first, we got to deal with this thing. See, the routine only changes when you do. And you're thinking. In order for you to form new habits, God has to first deal with the old ones. In order to bring you into his promises, he's got to deal with the dysfunction. And in order to plant new things into the garden of your heart, he has to uproot some things that are there in the way. There's a picture that I have in my mind of God wanting to give us something, but our hands are full of something else. And he's going, if you would just trust me, let go, open those hands, drop what you got in place of me, and I'm ready to fill you. Because this bread thing goes all the way into John 6. After Jesus does a miracle of feeding people, the 5,000, he gives them, he breaks the loaves of bread and the fish. You guys know this miracle, right? And then the people come back and they want him to feed them again. And he goes, not this time. Y'all going to have to learn that I'm the bread. Jesus said, I can feed you again. You'll be hungry tomorrow. But you need to learn that I'm the bread that satisfies your soul. And I was, I went, I'm glad Pastor Dave is here from Brazil to tell us for hope for Brazil because you know what they don't need? They don't need food for Brazil. They need hope. And when I went to a mission trip in Africa, it changed me years ago. When I went and the missionary that lived there that spends most of his life in Africa told us a story about when he was younger. When he first came there, he was so moved and he was emotional because he met people and he said, I was crying and I cried to the Lord and I said, God, let me feed them. And he said, I felt like the Holy Spirit said back to me, if you feed them food, they'll be hungry tomorrow. But if you give them me, they'll be satisfied for life. Now, this isn't that God doesn't meet practical needs, because he does. The man was learning a lesson about God wanting him to put the right priority in place. It's not that you can't give them bread, but if you don't give them the bread of life, how satisfied will they be? Because they'll get hungry again. And I wonder if you're hungry again in here. Not for Thanksgiving food. We're going to eat on Thursday, okay? But are you hungry for something spiritual? Are you ready to be satisfied? Are you ready for your mind to be renewed? 
that is a process that takes time. So come pray today. Come believe for a healing in your mind and to deal with the dysfunctions of your default mode. I wanna pray for you right now. We're gonna go into a time of worship. When I say amen, I want you to feel the freedom to come up here and to, and to pray with these folks right here.